folks so we are here today i have a very special guest and we have been discussing what makes the holidays difficult for some people so why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself hi i'm derica um yeah my site my name isn't going to be the same as on there that's just because i like having a chance to like create little characters and stuff um i also couldn't resist the dad joke <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I guess I'm the I guess for this topic because I was raised in Utah um, with half my family being Mormon and half my family not uh, parents splitting when I was a toddler and having loads of e like years of like trauma associated especially with the holidays and lots of societal peer pressure nowadays um, as I'm still trying to unlearn all of the uh, bad conditioning I grew up with. Sadly, that's often the case when you talk about unlearning the bad conditioning. So you mentioned like growing up with like part of your family, like half of your family being Mormon. Like what type of Mormon? Utah like, Mormon, the most saturated, Stepford creepy kind there is. Um, have you seen the movie it, Stepford Wives? Yeah, like how it's all very like pretty and polished and seemingly happy and normal, like face value. But you know that behind closed doors, there's shit going on. That's like definitely that. Like everyone is like all nice and neighborly and stuff. But that, like, it's always kind of unsettling because they're kind of too goody-goody, um, too cheery, and it just feels a little kind of fake, especially when after you've been there long enough, like, I grew up in it, and so I was always the kid that I was trying to make friends, but they would rather go play with their cousins, or as soon as they found out they couldn't convert me, they would drop me like a hot rock. And so I was like, yeah, you guys put up this sweet front, but I know the truth. And it was so hard to live among that. And um, yeah, very unique, special little brand of Mormons, specifically in Utah. Specifically Utah. Yeah, that sounds yeah. a little bit, um, I mean, this may be an understatement, but it sounds like uncomfortable oh to say the least yeah <laughs> i felt very much like like even though i'm straight i very much understand that whole like lgbt thing of like being in the closet just because i couldn't be my true self the whole time i lived in utah i always had to put up fronts i always had to like oh, what do they call that mask Mask and, um, oh, code change. 
kind mm-hmm. of like um, even like full grown adults generally won't swear even if there's no child anywhere in the vicinity and it's all that weird fakey swear like oh fudge sickles and to me that's creepier than an adult just straight up swearing and um also too there's loads of times where like after i become you know of legal drinking age i went out with a bunch of women in my dance we had this kind of like um dance group because um the main lady ran this dance studio that had this program that's kind of like zumba but better Uh and so we all became like our own little tight-knit circle of people we'd go out together and celebrate birthdays together and stuff and we'd all be like out at a mexican restaurant all getting margaritas and they would all be like don't tell my bishop And I was like, if the church congregation thinks of you, like, why are you acting like that? And also, like, if it's making me happy and, like, it's not harming any of us, like, why do we care? Why does it matter? <laughs> exactly. But it's that, like, that's one of the big jokes is, like, they'll um, do a lot of, um, like I said, a lot of behind closed doors, stuff, a lot of, like, not in the public stuff, but it's that whole, like, don't tell my bishop. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that sounds entirely too relatable. Yeah, just just a smidge of a relatable. Like it's one thing that the world sees. The world sees what they want them to see, right? Yeah, it, it's a lot about keeping up this weird front of like, because a lot of it, um, like with most kind of stricter religions, there's that idea of like you have to be enough of them warming over to get all the like afterlife benefits it's like if you're not presenting yourself as the perfect little mormon then like you're not gonna get to go to all the fun stuff in the afterlife i guess okay then yeah that's a very complex system we could say for another day we could have a whole other conversation about that right oh yeah yeah. So how did that affect, like, what was the other side of your family like? They were loosely, uh, very loosely Christian rednecks from the South. And I think they're only still in Utah because both sides agree on being more conservative and being more, like, anti-different. And um, so... They were the types that were like swearing and drinking and like, <laughs> you know, getting canceled on the weekend and stuff. Rednecks do have a reputation to uphold. They do. And there are like lots of rednecks in Utah. And they are um, also my family too was what you they call Jack Mormon, which is they still have the fundamental values of, you know, the LDS church. But they still will drink and smoke and swear and even like the worst of the worst have premarital sex. So it's kind of like, yeah, you may not get the top tier of whatever level of heaven in the afterlife, but because you kind of go through the motions enough, like you're in. Wait, wait, wait. So you can have premarital sex and still make it to heaven because there's different levels of heaven. 
wait, what? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. So my mom, <laughs> yeah. Ours is straight to jail. Straight to jail. Yeah. Um, in the Mormon religion, as far as like what my mom taught me and what I kind of understood just by proxy is, and keep in mind, she explained this to me when I was really little. And so in my brain, I thought of heaven as like a shopping mall. And so I was like, <laughs> like because she said there's three different levels of heaven. And that... it's a shopping mall. I'm... Yeah. Like, because she explained it is there's three different levels. And that first level is like pretty much everybody that's been good. And um, they believe in the Mormon faith and all that. And, but you know, that's like where most of the Jack Mormons are and stuff. And like people that just weren't as pious as like others. And then the second level is, you know, those that are definitely more pious and had a much uh, more pure way of living, but like not the best, of the best. And then the cream of the crop is in the top level. And those are the ones that were like the Mother Teresa version of LDS people. And those that are in the top two layers can go visit the people in the bottom layers, but the bottoms can never go visit people in the upper layers. Okay. So, so explaining that to me as like a six, seven year old instantly, the only thing I knew as far as like a layered structure was a mall. And so I'm like, <laughs> okay, so there's the shopping mall in the sky and I'm only going to get to go on the first layer at best. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we, we, what, what I'm hearing is that LDS churches measure levels of holiness. Oh, yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. That is uh, interesting for sure. Yeah. And I've heard from other people, not like from direct family members, but other people, apparently there's even something beyond that where you get to rule your own planet or something. Oh my. But that went well beyond my care or interest. So I was like, yeah, you do you. I'm going to go over here and live my life. So how did those two, like you're, you're talking about one group that you're associated with, like, where did you spend your holidays and how did those two like affect your holidays? Oh goodness. Um, my holidays were stressful at best. Um, because thankfully there wasn't a lot of religious pushing, but there was a lot of family pressure pushing. And so it was all of the adults kind of like marking their territory on me and not, uh, like putting me through guilt trips and making me choose between who got what holiday, who got what part of what holiday I never got to just have like a normal calm Christmas day. It was always fractured into like different time pockets. And even when I got a bit older and told them like, I didn't want to do that anymore. And they got tired of having to like shut me all over town. Um, but it was like, okay, you're going to choose who you spend Christmas Eve with and who you spend Christmas day with, because we're not going to like divide it up that way anymore. And even then it was a no win situation because, um, like it wouldn't be you make your choice and we're all going to have our peace with it. It was you're going to make your choice and we're going to guilt you for it. And I think that's pretty much like a kid of divorce thing. Because um, I don't think that's super uncommon at all. 
but they definitely were all honestly very immature about it. And it just was never, never fun. I never really actually enjoyed the holidays much. Like I had little pockets of enjoyment, like getting to have little holiday toys in my Happy Meals <laughs> and listening to like music on the radio and stuff. But as far as like the actual events and the parties and stuff, it was all just so much more stressful and chaotic than it was worth. I can only imagine. I mean, it sounds like it was a it was a no win situation. Like, how could you win with that? Like, yeah. If 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 you go to one place, if I understood you correctly, you said if you went to one place, then it was you were guilt tripped for mm -hmm. for choosing that place. Yeah, for sure. Like, and, if I chose my dad's family, you know, to go spend Christmas with my dad's family, but Christmas Eve with my mom's, it was like, oh, you love your dad so much more than us. It's because he has money, isn't it? And I was just like, I just knew I had to make a choice. And, like, vice versa, same thing. Like, at my dad's house, my stepmom couldn't handle that I had a mom because she needed to be the center of attention. And so then I got the brunt of that, too. Wow. Yeah. And That's... my stepmom is also Episcopalian and so then tried to push like midnight mass and stuff on me. And talk about conflicting views. <laughs> I was getting Mormon from one side and Episcopalian from the other up until they find my dad and his second wife split when I was 14. So core, core years of childhood, I had Episcopalian versus Mormon versus agnostic and none of those actually fit what i believed i mean but like they're all vastly different from one another how does a child even begin to comprehend all of that and then oh. yeah i i didn't i was so mixed up so confused i kind of just like went into like shutdown mode like, I, I was true as a kid. And then, like, the other question I have is you were talking about being schlepped around town and, you know, from house to house or party to party, right? Like, did you feel like an object more than a human being? Oh, totally. I was, I didn't have the language for it as a kid, but as an adult looking back on it and, like, obviously learning better language and stuff, I was totally felt like a pawn much more than an actual kid most pretty much my whole childhood that sounds pretty awful yeah i don't recommend it considering that i have done it <laughs> don't recommend it no. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, i feel like yeah. you're being very gentle <laughs> I am. I'm trying to keep it at the conversational tone just because, like, yeah, don't want to have, like, want to get into the reliving part of it. Just because, mm -hmm. like, I'm kind of done with making myself go through that bit. Good for but, you. Yeah, thank you. Um, but especially since, like, it might be, might be the trigger warning part, but I've had chronic SI since I was six. 
And so that was another big factor. And so, yes, if you want a uh, cautionary tale of how to not be a parent, they grow up to be like this <laughs> if you really just use your kid as a punishment. If your kid's an object <laughs> and, and you try to guilt yeah, trip you your kid. An object. Uh-huh. Yeah. Or as a manipulative tool between divorced parents or separated parents. Maybe that oh, too. Yeah, completely. That's, yeah, that's why like anytime I'm across anybody that has kids now, I'm like, okay, if you guys split, you listen to me because <laughs> I want to avoid your child ending up like me. Yeah. And a lot of my no kids have to like, that. no. No. And that's why I'm also like so strict about like people like actually having choice over family planning and stuff and like really, really waiting until you're really sure you're like ready to have kids and stuff. Because I was kind of an oopsie daisy. I was brought into this world for the wrong reasons. Oh. And obviously, it didn't quite pan out. <laughs> Doesn't affect the kids, my bad. I'm sorry. I had to go there. Um, to, to all those people who say it doesn't affect the kids. Oh, well, it I, the kids. I give you, I give you my guest. Yes. <laughs> yes. Kids like, notice. Kids know things. Kids hear things. The way you treat them, they, they pay attention. What, what values and behaviors you model for them, they pick up on that. And often you can tell kids one thing, but when your actions and behaviors don't model that behavior, it can still send the wrong message to your kids. Mm-hmm. And it's important. Especially that we if they're show- like, yeah, because, uh, like, I was a capital S sensitive kid from birth. And so, like, I could pick up on stuff that even the adults thought that I wasn't paying attention to. Mm-hmm. Like, all of it I got. Kids are smart. They're smarter than we think oh, sometimes. Yeah. So how does that affect your holidays today? What steps have you had to take? Oh, my goodness. Um well, as uh, we kind of talked a little bit about like earlier, movies and media are a huge pressure, like societal pressure, because it's all about um, like a huge, huge, huge chunk of all the movies and stuff are about family. It is the time for family. Forgive family. You know, be the bigger person. Be the more generous one. Be the loving one. Make your heart grow three sizes bigger and let love him and all that bullshit. And I call it bullshit just because it's a very superficial, narrow scope to look from. And there's loads of times where like your family doesn't really deserve forgiveness. And especially not just because of a holiday or that time of year. And so there's so many movies that I watch with a grain of salt if I watch them at all. Or like I just finished watching Home Alone earlier this morning. And still like as a kid and nowadays, I relate to Kevin and I'm cheering for Kevin against the family the whole time. Because in both movies, Kevin's like the kid that kind of gets knocked around by all the other older kids. 
and then um, finally just accidentally ends up causing trouble that the adults notice. The adults don't notice all the other kids causing trouble. They notice him and the one thing he does to retaliate. And then he gets in trouble. And it's like, well, I want to be alone. I want to be away from all you guys. And I'm like, I get you, kid. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, of course, like the like annoying part of that is the, you know, as soon as they're all gone, he's like, I miss family. I want to forgive them. I'm like, no, they were assholes to you. You have everything to be mad. Right. Like, why don't. Okay. So I think part of like what I was talking about is like within media about like Christmas movies and holiday movies. Like a lot of times it's all about like your family of origin and reconciling with them. And it's this idea that in order for you to have a happy holiday, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think what you're getting at is it's this idea that for you to have a happy holiday, you must in fact reconcile with your family of origin. And they have such a narrowly defined family idea in the sense that it's always the family of origin. That's yes. Like, it's not like there's there's no space really for like chosen family. Like if you start like, considering like people like me i i i've been shunned for 18 years hashtag shunned and shunning kills i'm i'm gonna tell you that right now shunning does kill people yeah Um, but but when we are shunned or we have to cut ties with family members that are so bad for our mental health because they do cause suicidal intent and suicidal ideation then what? Where are the movies about that? Where is the media about that? Where are the stories of people like that? We exist. I know we do. Somewhere. But where are we? Where is our visibility? Yeah. And the only ones that... It's like there's two groups of holiday movies. There is the Reconcile with Family of Origin or the you know, don't have the family of origin for whatever reason, usually because they're orphans. They love having the orphans. And so it's like, so I'm going to fill that hole with a romance. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's not a great message for us either because anyone that's like actually been damaged and needs to heal and stuff knows that if you try to fill that hole with romance, that's hurting both people. And so it's just, again, like, Okay, where's the healthy dynamics represented? Right, like where are the dynamics that actually are helpful, that actually are what the things that people find that help them create a healthier life after that? Yeah, the closest I've seen because the past few years has pretty much been me working as much as possible um, during the month of December. And then whatever breaks I do get, I'm just watching whatever holiday movie on like netflix or hulu and so i pretty much binged the entire section (laughs) there's little pockets of that but it's like the main character you know if it's that um cookie cutter formula of like big city girl comes in to help save a guy with his little small town ski shack um it's like she figures out that she can be on her own and not just following daddy's footsteps but it's because the romance like helped her see a different side of her 
why why do you have to have romance to do that exactly so it's like you get that little pocket of like oh i need to include loving myself in this but that's such a small part but it's also it's a small part but it's also conditional in the movies because it's put in as part of the romance like you you won't get to that part of loving yourself and accepting yourself unless you have a romance like this Exactly. Like it's yeah. the idea of like romance is going to fix that, or it's yeah, going it's that to whole, help like, you. Night, night like, yes, that one. Yeah. Huh. Well, see, I don't feel like I need a white knight. I feel like nope. I saved my goddamn self. I saved myself, and you know what? I did so with the help help of many people along the way. And, and yes, they supported me and they were there for me. And I did do that. I did have help. However, comma, pause, at the end of the day, it was up to me to save myself. We need to stop pretending that we need to rescue people and we need to start empowering people to actually save themselves. That is how we change the world. Exactly. And I'm just now learning that. So I I haven't saved myself, but I'm saving myself. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And it's kind of been um, like a thing that I've kind of noticed my whole life is because, like I said, my family's always been so split up. I never really felt like I belonged anywhere. (laughs) And so I've always been alone my whole life. And so it's like, yeah, I have to be my own night white because I got no other choice. And like, there's times where I really resent that and I get so mad about it. And it's like, I have to be the only one, like, really? No. But then other times it's like, you know what? Yeah. Like, embrace it. So it's kind of that weird, like 50-50 mix for me still. So one of our listeners says you can save yourself and you deserve the credit. There you go. I wondered what that was for closing up. Yep. And an, and another comment says, when people ask, how did you make it? What? Was I supposed to just give up and die? I mean, like for some of us, that's literally the point that we get to. It's like we're going to die if we stay and we have to find a way to escape. Yeah. That's, that's literally the point for some of us. Empowering us to save ourselves is literally that. It's a choice between life and death. And for me, sometimes it was just like, well, death doesn't seem to want me. So I guess I have to live. Like, (laughs) so I'm kind of a slightly variation on that. I mean, sometimes I just feel like, you know, if hell exists, it's not ready for me. That's why I'm still alive. I know. I I know. I think it's funny. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, no, that's my kind of humor completely. It's like um, the devil's like, oh, I get your soul now, and then comes back three days later. No, take that. Your soul's making me sad. (laughs) Too bad. So sad. Too late. You get what you get. You don't throw a fit. Don't throw a fit, (laughs) my friend. Yep. Um. But yeah, I also just recently came across this quote. I found that one of my um, personal niches of humor is really pretty cross-stitch patterns, but with really, 
rude, dark humor. And so one of them I came across was, I'm going to stay alive until things improve, and that's a threat. And I was just like, I like having that as my idea. <laughs> yes, no refunds at all <laughs> whatsoever. That is a threat. Uh, so I, yeah. I do love, and I think too, like for me, um, so one of the things that I did this year is I actually wrote a book, right? I did that for myself because I know, I know how I feel about the holiday seasons and I know all the things, all the things, because I myself have some, you know, trauma around the holiday and like, I'm not going to get into that, but I am going to say for me, I find that me having a very like, interesting sense of humor, I wouldn't call it morbid so much. It's just like interesting, right? Um, sometimes when I do things that help me, it makes the holiday season better. Like I have been engrossed in writing my book, publishing my book and getting it out there. So it was published December 15th. If you haven't read it, it's on Amazon. It's on the Amazon Kindle for free for Kindle members, I think. Um, but it's like $2.99 on Amazon Kindle. And you can get print copies too if you want. But regardless, doing that literally made six weeks fly by. <laughs> and then, like, having this sense of humor, I really think humor is a coping skill. And when you talk about coping skills, like, what do you do? that helps you, what helps you cope? Um, well, um, as something that I recently had to do again, but I learned about kind of a year ago is this idea of what you consume isn't just food or drink. It's also like what you take in as far as like media and like reading and stuff goes too. Mm -hmm. And because uh, it was a coworker I was talking to and he was talking about this man that had published something that he was reading on and the guy was talking about like spiritual junk food and how like the guy was really particular about what he consumed as far as like non-food or drink because he didn't want junk food in his mind and spirit. And I was like, I really vibe with that idea. And I totally get that. And I realized I've been kind of practicing without knowing what it was called. Mm -hmm. And um, just, Sometime this past week, I realized I really needed to do that again. So for me, that looks like um, I already have to like really limit the news I take in because there's so many topics that the news love to report on and in very sensationalist ways nowadays that if I take in more than like 10 minutes of it, I will be sent into a bad episode that could last for days. And that does nobody any favors. And so I have to really restrict... Um, the amount of time I take in news, what news sources I follow, that kind of thing. And then also um, really watch how I'm interacting with people and how much I'm giving over to others. Because I realized that I was putting way too much stock in my coworkers because I am in a situation now to where I on purpose have no family around me. There's at least two state lines between all of us and me, all of them. <laughs> me. 
I shunned myself for my own sake, like my own sake. Yeah. Because like, yeah, I divorced all my family. And of course that makes me the horrible ultimate bad guy. But I'm like, you know, you know, Bill and your story is here on my own. So I'm going to take it. And um, so I've got no family around and it's been really, really hard to like make friends that actually want to be around me. And so I have to figure out ways to like really like enjoy my own company and be okay with being myself through all kinds of moods. And thankfully, as a child that grew up alone among a sea of family members, I've kind of always had coping mechanisms with learning how to be with myself and entertain myself. So I've just been expanding on that as an adult while also trying to work through the bits that I can. Because also, you know, the millennial life, Levita Broca, I can't afford therapy. So oh. I'm listening. Yeah. So my mode of therapy is loads of self-help books and loads of self-help related podcasts. And um, like finding, I have one friend that lives in Texas and she and I are each other's like safe people to talk to because we allow each other grace and space um, and to, like talk about the stickiest, toughest, most like shameful issues. Like we both allow each other like, hey, I'm feeling really ashamed about this thing. I have these thoughts coming in, but I need to talk to somebody to get out of my head. And we'll be uh -huh. like, all right, yeah, I've got this space for you right now. Like, tell me. And we don't judge each other. And she's the one person I have that I can do that with. It's called the safe person. Having safe people in your life really yeah. matters. It can really make a difference. Yeah. And, and like having the coping skills, like you mentioned, like learning those can be really important. Learning to be with yourself throughout various moods can be really important. Oh, I yeah. mean, and, and you were mentioning like intentional consumption. So um, I, I have for years and years and years utilized self-affirmations and mantras which I don't know if you've ever heard of like mantras, but mantras are like a saying that you say to yourself in times of whatever. And so those really help me sometimes. Like it's really disconcerting when conversations around you are always about, oh, what are you doing? Are you going to go see your family for the holidays? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, no thanks. I will have my peaceful holidays. I will have like so much joy by myself with like, no, I'm not going to my family of origin. No, no. Yeah. Just, and like, just, yeah. And especially so, with being in customer service, like I get that equal awkwardness of like everyone coming up and be like, I'm shipping this to my family because I love them. I'm shipping this to them, even though it's like pricey amount of expense I was going to um, pay and blah, blah, blah. What are you doing? I'm like, staying at home with my cats. And then half the time they're like, oh, you poor thing. Yeah. And then they have this pity you know, for then, you. And it's yeah. like, no, don't pity me. Yeah, I it's like, no, I chose this. this. It's like, my cats love me unconditionally. I love them unconditionally. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, and that's what I got for right now. And my I honestly don't feel bad about that until I encounter a significant amount of people putting that on me. Right. And then that's when I start to, like, kind of question myself. And I'm just like, 
damn, am I doing something wrong? Like maybe I should be including more people in my life. Like, uh, no. Yeah. No. Yeah. (laughs) No. There are people that do things that are so traumatic to us and they never learn from what they did. They never like, even, even when they, they get convicted of criminal acts or even if they don't, but they have committed acts that should be criminal or that are criminal and they've never been prosecuted. Like there are people who, who just don't ever grow and learn Mm -hmm. and they don't learn to do better. And we have to accept that on some levels. And when we accept our family members being our families of origin, being what they are, we are just accepting them as who they are. And it's not saying that they're incapable of change. It's not saying that they're incapable of repentance. It's simply saying that for us, they are so harmful to our mental health that we do not require them to be in our lives. Yeah. Because, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's like, yeah, even um, like sliding scale therapy is still like $30 a session and even that's like too much right now. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm reading the comment that just popped up. Which says, I feel that about the expense of therapy. I couldn't afford therapy a lot of times, and self-help books were often more helpful anyways. Yeah. When you start, um, who was it that said this? Believe people when they show you who they are. Maya Angelou. Yeah. I thought so. Okay. So yeah. when, when you start actually believing people, when they show you who they are, sometimes it really hurts to accept that. But it, for me, this yeah. idea of like radical acceptance that, you know, a lot of my family members are criminals. Radical acceptance. It is what it is. They've committed crimes against me. I benefit from not having them in my life, but not by not being forced to relive traumatic events that I still have nightmares about. So (laughs) y'all don't know what people are going through. So try to be gentle to each other and to yourselves. Exactly. And uh, my family aren't really criminal in the stuff that they've done, but they have this duplicity thing. Uh, they all say that they miss me and that they wish they could just be on good terms with me and stuff. But their actions are showing that they choose themselves and their own story that they are telling themselves about me over actually connecting with me and moving through the hard stuff. Um, like, And actually, um, my dad is kind of coming around, so I'm kind of grateful for that. I don't think we'll ever get to like a really good close place but he's finally accepting me as myself and not as what he wishes me to be and because I have uh, yelled at him a few times about it um, he's finally stopped 
at least to my face, comparing me against all the other people in my family. Because oh my, my dad's family, they are big on pitting all of the kids against each other. Yeah, like generations <sighs> of toxic trauma on both sides, but that's like his side of it. And um, so like it's a really, really weird dynamic with him because he's always been my main antagonist. And, but he's also always been the one that's like always willing to fight for us. And so it's really weird. And then my mom, it's more of that abandonment mother wound idea. Because it's like as soon as I wasn't what she was wanting me to be, she just like dropped me. And she'll say that uh, she's made herself my victim in her head. And therefore, like even to this day, like right now, even though I've said, you know, these are my terms, these are my boundaries, you're welcome, I'm not shutting you out, but I'm also not going to keep chasing you. She still convinced herself and the rest of our family that she's still my victim and that she's still waiting on me and giving me my space. That sounds like, like a typical Darvo. Sorry. A what? Darvo. You ever heard of I've the Darvo, heard of Darvo tactics? Uh-uh. Well, Darvo, it starts with abusers use Darvo, denies responsibility, attacks you, reverses roles of victim and offender. Okay. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That sounds pretty much like her. Darvo yeah, tactics. Very much so. Oof. And like, I kind of get where she's coming from, but like the struggle for me, like, I'm still having struggles with the radical acceptance because there's still that wounded child in me that's wanting her to be the mom that I always wish I could have had. And I've been slowly, like, little by little, letting that go. There's still a like, a significant enough part of that wounded child in me that's wanting her to be what she's never shown herself to be. And so I can't fully accept it yet and I can't fully let go. So I'm in this weird like limbo area with her to where like it still kind of hurts. And so I just like, I'm still kind of avoiding it. But with my yeah. dad, like he's always been exactly who he is. Like I said, like that weird like love hate dynamic. And so I've been able to accept him as like he is for at least a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why he and I can at least move to at least a superficially like peaceful point now. And yeah. he's one of two family members I'm still in touch with. Wow. Because he's shown me that he's willing to put in the work. Yeah. Like it's, it's not saying that you're, um, unwilling to work with people but is saying that you're going to have boundaries so i have another question for you Mm -hmm. if it's okay i'd like to and i'm going to give a disclaimer i'm not a therapist i'm not i'm a life coach have you ever heard of enmeshment kind of okay what is your idea of enmeshment that sounds like an extreme form of codependency Well, do you feel 
like with your mother, for example, your, your oven, um, there's, you're trying to establish the, the lines of like, this is where I am. And, and this is like where you begin, right? Like you want to have very clear boundaries of like, this is me and that is you. Do you feel like that has ever existed in your relationship with her? I like dif being able to differentiate myself from her. Mm -hmm. oh, or do yeah, you, always... But do you think she's been able to differentiate herself from you? Maybe not. I've never thought of it from that perspective of it. I don't I, know. It's just a weird question I have. It's interesting. That's given me like a new thing to like chew on mentally later, but um, okay. yeah, no, it's just always been for me a kind of more cut and dry for lack of a better term at the moment, but idea of she had me because she wanted to feel loved unconditionally. And then I arrived. I was my own person. I was the thing that needed to be loved unconditionally first. And so when I couldn't give her what she wanted and needed, she would have to find a new family and then got what she wanted more from them. And all of a sudden I was just this thing that she could like have or not have depending on her mood. And she so, swears up and down that that's not how it is. But I'm like, your actions tell me that is how it is. So do you feel like the love that your parents had for you came with conditions or strings attached to it? Completely, completely. And I have not met any of those conditions. And so, yeah, hence the two-state boundary line. Understandable. Understandable, because sometimes it can just, you need space yeah. between. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, to me, conditional love isn't actually love. It's this idea, like, and, and people can say they love you unconditionally, but like, for example, so when, when my family says, I love you, or my community says, I love you, right? My Amish community, I'm talking about them. So if my family of origin says, I love you, mm -hmm. but in the same token, it's like they treat me like I am lower than the dirt beneath their shoes, unless I comply with their demands. That is not love. That is manipulation and control. Mm -hmm. That is them trying to exert power and control over me. It has yeah. nothing to do with a that healthy relationship. It has to do with power and control. Yep, yeah, that's, yep, yeah, I get that from both sides. Like that's, that's, that's not about building a healthy relationship. So no. anyways, we're about to wrap this up. Do you have any okay. um, words of wisdom or tools you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, just kind of reiterating again, like I'm a prime example of what you do if you don't treat your children as their own people. Like, 
let you know believing who people are as they show you relates to kids too like people don't give their kids enough credit it's like if your child is showing that they're interested in whatever like don't knock that down encourage it even if it's something you don't understand and don't weaponize your love like you know don't let your love ever be something that could be taken off the table if your kid screws up because your kids need you to be their ultimate safety net i think a lot of um the toxic like generational trauma stuff in my family came from them all having this idea of life is going to be hard so i have to make you prepared for the harshness of the world and from all this stuff i've been learning therapy wise and people wise it's like yeah the world is hard which is why you need to be their number one safety net and so like yeah <laughs> like be your kids number one safety net be the person they know they can trust with anything especially if you want them to still have contact with you as an adult be the person your kid needs you to be yes yeah so with that being said i'm gonna like hop off of here so i hope first off like i want to thank our patreon subscribers thank you for helping us be able to bring these live streams to you and for all the other support that you give the misfit amish i want to thank all our listeners for hanging out with us i appreciate you you y'all are a a wonderful group of people who have been out here and listening some of you for years um and and just it's important to have these conversations it's important to discuss like the things that can make holidays not so great and i'd wish everybody a gentle holiday have a good one <laughs>